0: It's never been a worse time to play video games.
1: Yeah, it's just, uh, that's not the energy I'm bringing.
0: Well, then, then save me from this energy, because I feel like... who plays no video games. It's it's a disastrous time for video games.
1: Why? Uh, Say more.
0: Um, okay, so... Mainly, one of the big things I would say is that I really am starting to dislike this Guilty Gear patch. Very bad Guilty Gear patch.
1: Who Um, cares? That game is old as hell.
0: Um... And and Street Fighter also is getting like kind of it's it's past its uh its uh, honeymoon phase and it's it's also seeming a little bit more frustrating. But
1: well, guess you got to play new video games. Ugh, but there's no good new ones. Wow,
0: they don't make good new ones. I was playing more of Tears of the Kingdom. Eventually, sometime before the end of the year, I hope I finish that. And that's fine. It's okay. So you really
1: you really haven't played any new video games.
0: No. Well, all right,
1: that's our show, I, everyone. Thank you for joining us.
0: That, this is this is the this is a podcast for people who don't know video games. So I can ask video games. This is I'm the new I'm the new Sharon the collector. Where all I right. so so it's your I, job I tell to, you, to uh, yeah.
1: So you're gonna interview me about all the video games, right? Yeah. that's the plan. Yeah. All right. So people kept asking me, you know, I, I've been playing Baldur's Gate, and people kept asking me, "Have you finished Baldur's Gate? P- who is people Did you finish it? You and uh, Galloway, but mostly you. And it's like, why are you asking me if I finish this game? It, 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 do people just think I don't finish video games? Like, do I have a do I have a um a reputation for not finishing? I don't know. Video I don't game? think that's
0: true. But I also think that Baldur's Gate probably is a game that uh, I would love to see the percentage of people that actually finish that game, and it has to be in the single digits.
1: It's uh, currently six percent. Have the yes. achievement for finishing the game
0: on Steam. That sounds about right, and and I, I, I the, it's nothing. It, it's it's no mark against that game that it is like that. I like that. I don't I don't like levy that as like a complaint against the game. But I will say that that I haven't that I, I am slowly considering playing Baldur's Gate. But I am so kind of sick of games that are this long. I, and and Baldur's Gate seems to be doing a good job with it. There's a game that we'll talk about. I assume in a little bit that just seems like it just wants to destroy your time and I, I i just i kind of wish that there was more good games coming out these days that were on the shorter side i feel like a lot of the good games that came out this year in particular are just epic long in the tooth long as hell games like tears of the kingdom gonna be 100 hours baldur's gate 100 plus hours starfield devs are gonna tell you it's not even fun until 160 hours don't even don't even think you're gonna get a single hit of dopamine for 160 hours you're not gonna enjoy this shit real real gamers play 160 hours
1: so when i first started baldur's gate 3 i didn't know if it was a game i could finish because i do have a hard time finishing rpgs sometimes like uh the story And ultimately, I feel like it really does have to come down to uh, for me to finish any game, uh, the mechanics have to be changing. I have to keep getting new stuff and or like the story really has to like
0: hold me. That and and there's probably a, a more for me there's a more unwritten more important rule and that is like what else is coming out around that time like it, it I just won't come back to things a lot of times especially a, a really long RPG like that if you if I if I get sidetracked I'm not you know I'm not probably not coming back to that.
1: This game has a lot of buttons, Kirby. So, when I was nearing the end of
0: Baldur's Gate
1: 3, I had to make a trip to New York uh, for a number of reasons. But I was going to be in New York for eight days and I was worried that I was going to come back to Baldur's Gate, you know, 80 to 85% of the way through it and be like, well, which buttons did I like to press? My character has a billion bil- a spells, so which are the spells that I was using? I, oh, who's? Oh, this is a character from Act 1 and they're pissed off at me. I don't remember what I did with them. So I made a concerted effort to finish the game before I left. Uh, And it worked out. I was actually just able to do it. Like, I beat the last boss of the game 8 p.m. the night before going to New York. Uh, I saw one of the 17,000. I saw two of the different 17,000 permutations of endings there are, are uh, every would...
0: every permutation is you sitting on a throne and then the, a narrator just says like the time of mason is now and then a different one is the dark times were now so am i right let
1: me tell you about Baldur's gate three
0: Tell me about Baldur's and, gate. and no
1: it, it, it is more the endings are a little bit more filled out than that uh but i wasn't sure if i was going to start like keep playing it uh you know So I'm going to say this up front. I think Baldur's Gate 3 is one of the best games I've ever played. I think that it's kind of silly to ascribe the idea of, like, this is the number one best game I've ever played. Because there are games like Disco Elysium and The Outer Wilds, which are, like, such terrific games and experiences. But when you start to compare a game like The Outer Wilds to Baldur's Gate 3, it doesn't really feel like a fair comparison, right? They're they're both so important and so good. So I can't say that it's my favorite game of all time, but I could definitely say that it's one of them. And I think that it's one of the best games that I've ever played. And I think that, uh, you know, there is a number of reasons why. So I'll get into it. Uh, so for those that don't know Baldur's Gate 3 uh, is a Dungeons and Dragons licensed game. It works on a very similar rule set to Dungeons and Dragons. It has characters and places and the monster compendium all borrowed from uh, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. I've got I've got some late summer allergies. I'm uh struggling with my uh my my speaking here.
0: Wow. Uh, take an take a antihistamine potion.
1: Oh, I should, right? Uh, so with that, like, Dungeons & Dragons isn't really, like, a very simple game. Uh, so I, I feel like for people who have never played Dungeons & Dragons, coming to this game is a little bit challenging. Even though it really is as simple as, like, each turn uh, your character gets a, to move, they get an action, and they get a bonus action. Uh, and I feel like the game does a pretty good job of like explaining to you which of these they are. But it gets a little bit more complicated once you get into uh, different classes and the fact that rogues can take certain actions as bonus actions. And and also just like leveling up and seeing like, oh, your wizard is level two. Which of these 20 spells do you want your wizard to learn? And so for a long time, I was leveling up And I was just giving, I was just letting the game auto do it for me. I was like, yeah, this character, they're a cleric. uh, They're in the trickery domain, whatever. Uh, Yeah, here's my my rogue and they're an arcane trickster. That's fine. Uh, What I realized pretty quickly, though, is that the default choices for leveling up are a little weird. And... I ended up respecking most of my characters, and the respecking is super good. Like, I I felt like the game really opened up for me when I first respect my characters. Once I realized how easy it is to just change everything about my characters, I felt way less intimidated by the systems in the game uh, because. And I feel like it takes a while. Like after you hit like maybe like level three or level five or something like that to kind of just circle back and be like, all right, let me re—I understand the game a little bit better. Let me go back and uh, do it all over again. And the systems really started to feel good. And 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 then like yeah, how long from, would you say that was? From there, it was pretty smooth sailing. Uh, maybe like, I don't know. Uh. 8 to 10 hours before I felt really good about understanding the systems. But that's not to say that the game takes 8 to 10 hours to get going. Because I actually think that this game has a really incredible introduction. And they really... Make you immediately sort of care about the main story. Do you know anything about the mainline story?
0: Um, I played the uh, the well, it wasn't like a demo, but like the early access where it was what mind flayers were stealing bodies or minds or something. As yeah, they to essentially,
1: do. The, the game starts off with uh, your character getting a parasite put in them that uh, turns you sort of into a sleeper agent. Uh, where a mind flayer is going to be able to like flip a switch and you're going to turn into a mind flayer So a lot of the first act is about uh, How do I get this thing out of me? But soon after you, you start to realize that You're you're sort of getting abilities from having the parasite in you like there are characters that you can make like submit to you like they're goblins and things like that who are essentially weak enough that you can mind control them uh with psionic powers because of the parasite so you're you're kind of making these like decisions of like do i accept these powers and want them or am i trying to take these you, you know like exercise this get this out of me
0: Renegade and Paragon
1: Not but it's not that simple they never you you never really feel like you're making a decision that's like this is good and this is evil. It's It never feels really binary except for maybe one decision early on where it's like, well, there's this grove full of druids. Do you want to invade the, the, the camp and kill all the druids or do you want to side with the camp and defeat the goblins? And that's maybe like...
0: Yeah, burn the orphanage I, or save the orphanage.
1: Yeah, I, but I it's it. never there because uh, the druids are kind of shitty and there are reasons why you could be like, yeah, I don't really like what the druids are doing either. They're they're kind of fucked up. They're kind of not all great people. Uh, so making that decision, you know, uh, ultimately I was like, everybody that I know uh, went in and protected the, the druid encampment. So I want to see the other stuff. I want to do what nobody else in my friend group is doing. I'm going to uh, kill the kill all the druids um and you know see what happens uh it's brutal uh they there is some real like fucked up stuff that happens as a result of that uh you lose at least two party members when you do that uh and i think that's kind of neat uh because the alternative some people might not know this but uh there is a character who will only join you um, if you uh, raid the grove, and and the reason why that's important is that yeah, if you if you uh, if you side
0: Gobby with the, the goblins.
1: goblins, if you side with the goblins, uh, there is a companion that opens up to you, which is in, is important because uh, the companions are such a massive part of the game, not just in. Uh, them being, you know, available for combat and leveraging them that way, but the companion quests in this game are incredible. Uh, just the companion system and like uh, the options that you get to work with your companions. It's it's also worth saying that at the start of the game, you can either choose to build your own character, or you could choose an origin character, uh, and the companions are those origin characters, which means that instead of doing your own personal story, you could take on uh, their quests as one of the main quests, which is interesting because that changes the way that the companions are interacting with you. Because, you know, uh, if you choose to play as a char- as your own character, it's different from playing as a character who was formerly a vampire and is now, like, broken free. Uh, but, man, the, the voice acting... Uh, and the mocap in this game is incredible. One, one thing that's pretty unique about this game is that the characters who did the mocap also did the VO. Uh, so just like the faces and the character movement and things like that are really incredible. Like the actual like face rigging is really impressive. Uh, and it it was it's it's really jarring to go from a game like Baldur's Gate 3, oh my god uh, to playing a yes. game like Starfield Yeah, where it is like Holy shit. The, the the voice acting and the way that characters are like looking at you like the expressions they make characters just like looking at you with their eyes like glancing at you and doing their things eyes. that like
0: they, they <laughs> those they dead you, those dead Bethesda eyes you know you know something happens to uh games or a franchise when uh the fan base is just terrible and we'll just gobble up anything and that is like the fallout of fallout 76 is i feel like that this company just gets to keep doing shit like this and making ugly games so
1: uh, but Baldur's Gate three, but is Baldur's Gate three, definitely not that. Uh, do you so, do you feel like
0: uh, I mean I feel like you're getting a little bit in the weeds and especially not having good context for it. Some of it is just like I I I, I zone out hearing some of it. Um, w- one big thing I would just be interested in is like this game has really weirdly mass appeal, um, and that, that is, is that, right? that is really shocking to me because uh, just at a you know quick glance like absolutely should not right so like this is just not the genre of game this is not the name of a game that uh gets mass appeal um and it's it's weird enough that that in like those very just 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 talking to random people um uh, about video games I'm hearing people say like they're playing Baldur's Gate, which is, I just think is weird. Cause usually, like, nine out of 10 times those conversations just end up with being, like, you know, Battlefield, uh, hardline, you know, like everyone just plays Battlefield hardline still. And, um, I'm shocked to see that so many people are playing it. So, wh- what do you feel like? uh is that is the difference? Is it stuff like that? Is it simply is it so easy that it just comes down to like well, it's presented well like it, it it's it's an it's incredible cinematic.
1: production value. But I think that what it really is is I think that once you realize how well the game responds to what you want to do, like like I feel like you know people have this thing that they do in games where you know like a character is talking to you, and you just like start swinging your sword at them or start shooting them, and your bullets are passing through them, or like you're you're like you're able to like knock them down or like people will like run away or they'll be like, hey, stop that! But in this game, everything that you want to do, the game is just gonna let you do, and it, it's not just is there, like oh, hold you on, can.
0: Do, you, do you mean like if you swing your sword, you just kill a person, just kill a quest giver? Yeah. Oh, is there one of those like you know the way that um. I, I forget. I know Oblivion would do this. I think Morrowind uh, did this thing. Where they would put up a prompt.
1: Yeah. where they're like, you can do this, but it's going to change the it's way gonna, that it's the just going to fuck
0: shit up. Like there's, I remember. Maybe it's just Morrowind that I'm thinking about, but just Morrowind Definitely has a prompt that is like, you're going to ruin the game if you do this thing. But,
1: uh, so in this, the game just adapts. Uh, it never breaks. You can do the thing and the game they've accounted for it Mm -hmm. in every situation that I've found
0: quite an achievement, you know,
1: but but also I think the other thing is just that everything that you want to do like they let you do like and and it's crazy because of the number of options like they're giving you access to things like speak with animals and like talk with dead. The talk with dead rules, if you've seen the D&D movie, oh, so it's good. those rules of like,
0: so good. you're good asking question. five
1: questions, and sometimes the character would be like, why would you ask me that? And then yeah. you just like lose a question.
0: That would be such, that was uh, such a surprisingly good movie.
1: Like, you could be like, what was your profession? I was a police officer. What does a police officer do? And they'll be like, are you an idiot? And like, you expend one of your questions. The uh, speak all, with All animals, zombie cops
0: are bastards, right? Remember? Yeah. They say that
1: the um speak with animals just um all of the all of the animals are fully voiced a lot of it, it and and the writing is just good throughout uh one thing that i thought was funny is that uh there was a specific ox that because i spoke to this ox and got a quest from the ox it changed the way that the final battle of the game played out and i just thought that that, that, that was so ridiculous
0: pretty important ox huh
1: it actually kind of was like it, it's weird. Like I spoke to this ox and as a result, just like I I don't want to say what it is, but it did change the final battle in a meaningful way. A, a uh, horde
0: of oxes showed up.
1: Not exactly, but you're not too far off. You're not too far That's off. That's how it be. Um, the classes, the classes in this game are incredible. And the game responds to the classes that you have. Like, you know, your characters, uh, uh, you know, when you're in conversations with characters, uh, your class plays a key factor in it. And it feels like everything, all of your stats, all of your, like, skills, like, whether, you know, like, Arcana or History or any of these other things are constantly coming into play. And it's not just your class. It's also your character's subclass. So if you're a warlock... You could be, uh, you know, a follower of the Archfey, which means that you follow the power of fairies. Or you could be like the Great Old One, which means that you follow like Eldritch gods. So that's what my character was. I was a, a warlock of the Great Old One. So when Eldritch things were happening, my character was able to recognize them uh, and respond to those in unique ways that, you know, it, it changed the outcome of quests. And and stuff like that was cool. So I've already rolled the second character. Uh, I already started the game again, and it's really neat. Just even from the beginning, seeing how much is is different as a as a factor of like, well, this time I'm playing a bard. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that it, also the game rewards the second playthrough just because like the companion stuff is so good. You really do like at the end of the game you really do care about the companions there are parts of this game that i've rewatched on youtube because like there are speeches and like things that happen with the characters that just like give me goosebumps like it is one of those games where it is like actually emotionally moving because and that is in part due to the length of the game that is in part due to like the way that you have like this um attachment to characters not just through their stories, but also through uh, their abilities and what they what they lend you with. So, when a character is like, "If you do this thing, I'm gonna leave the party. I'm not gonna want to be with you anymore," like it it does hit you in more ways than one. Uh, and I think that that's just in at least in uh, at, and at really least great. two ways, right? Yeah, and and it really makes me you know excited to do a second playthrough to see the companions that i didn't get to roll with on that first playthrough um
0: man you're a psychopath I, how many how many hours how how
1: i beat the game in 80 hours
0: all right I, I i was actually expecting a higher number than that but i i'm not i'm not saying that i want that that's probably good for for 80 hours for something that that is seemingly as wide as it is long if does i what isn't there a phrase that actually is, as, as deep, deep as it is, is as wide or whatever, yeah. like you know, like that. That is is a pretty impressive feat for sure. Um, I think that yeah, most games that are in that territory are using a a lot of repeated assets, a lot of just you know. Oh man,
1: and and that's the other part that I feel like is really incredible about this game is that there is no trash mobs. Uh, every single fight is interesting. It's curated. There's different stuff going on. Every time you're uh, about
0: to swing a killing blow, it goes like it it goes slow mo. You see that this bandit has a, a child named Rensvar, and they're they're hungry and sick, and their wife recently passed away, and they're just they're just here to get some bread. But now you're you're you know the only way we really interact with bandits is by killing them. So you, you land that but- killing blow. And but then it's also his child because, stays up at night not knowing yeah. if his dad will come home.
1: So, in addition to there not being trash mobs, the game also gives you an equivalent amount of XP uh, for solving things without combat.
0: Yeah, that's and that's that's so important. That's like something that the video game companies are so whack about that they 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 want you to like. I I feel like tons of games just do that thing of we have. You know, like you could do the hacking mini game, right? But like, you, you know, that makes you, that might make you better at hacking or lock picking or something. But that doesn't make you stronger. And like to get levels or something, you probably need to straight up kill things. And like that's the general way that you get experience. So, yeah. So it's a nice. And bit. I wanna
1: and and we'll we'll talk about Starfield later. But I wanna compare this to. I was playing Starfield and I got to the end of the dungeon. And I found the leader of the bandit group and the leader of the bandit group says there's something rare on your ship I've been following that ship give me the thing So I'm able to tell him like listen, there's nothing on there like you can look at it yourself In fact, we could trade ships and he's like and I passed the persuasion and he's like damn really? All right. Well, you know just get out of here. Whatever. We'll stop here punk and I was like, okay cool you know, they gave me the XP and I was like, I guess I could walk off and do whatever. But then I was like, but I could also just kill him. Yeah. And I kill him, and I get his, I get the drops. You know. Nice. I get the, I get the drops, and it's not like, it, it's not going to matter. The next time I go to a town, there's not going to be. I mean, maybe I'll find out that I'm wrong, but I feel like there's not going to be someone who's like, hey, you killed my bandit leader. No, that I mean, my, I feel like this dad, is just the you know? same.
0: This is the same bullshit they've been making forever so so you can you you pretty much know how this works.
1: Yeah, so we'll see, but in Baldur's Gate like when you kill someone it's not like so and so will remember that, but you know, the world does remember. Yeah. And the way that your character is like the the companions all respond to what you're doing. They all have thoughts about it. And again, fully voiced, fully mocapped, like uh, that is also one of the incredible and impressive feats. Thank goodness that this game succeeded because it seems like it had to be really fucking expensive to make. Like this is not a small team either. I think Larian is like 450 developers. Like it's it's no joke.
0: It's a it's a weird feat to me. I'm I'm surprised that they were they managed to pull it off.
1: I think that they <laughs> I know this sounds like silly to say, but I feel like they really wanted to make this game, you know?
0: yeah i mean that that makes sense like it it it, 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 it's maybe there's like just a lot of love from it a lot like that which is a surprisingly rare thing
1: and and i and i truly do believe and and i think anybody who's played this game uh at any amount will tell you that this is as close to playing dungeons and dragons uh that you can get out of a video game
0: Mm -hmm. um
1: and yeah i'm i'm just i'm blown away Uh, I can't wait to check out more classes. I think that it's really interesting that knowing dungeons and dragons actually puts you at a huge advantage in this game because people were like, yeah, so this game lets you do a coffee lock. A coffee lock is when you take X amount of levels of sorcerer and warlock and it lets you turn your uh, warlock slots into spell slots using meta magic feats and All of that stuff is like present in this game, of like the way that you're able to manipulate the fifth edition systems just to make crazy shit happen. Uh, So, knowing what I know now and having gotten to the end of this game, and you know, not even seen all the in all the classes and abilities and spells and stuff like that, it's it is really cool to just think like, wow, I can play this game again and get a very different experience there are so many quests that i didn't do at no point was i trying to 100% this game so i feel like on second playthrough uh experiencing the different classes different companions going in a different direction that i am kind of going to get uh, mileage out of a second playthrough
0: all right is there is there any more for the for the Baldur's well, I- the game the game of the lifetime the game of the decade
1: any other, uh, do you have any questions on it? Like, what do you see as, as, like, an outsider looking in on this game?
0: I, I see that a lot of people, I, I generally only hear good things about it. I'm I, i, I I'm really happy uh, because um, I, I want a game like this to, I, I you know, I I think that, that uh, like, I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not biased on certain things, and my bias comes from a good place, I think, or, or at least uh, a... Um, like a, a a critical place where where a game like this that ha- that is in a lot of ways sounding like it's doing the thing that developer it's 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 getting the cl- it's it, it's either doing or getting the closest to this thing that developers have seemingly wanted to do for a really really long time like the going back to uh you know Morrowind going back to I I would say like Fable right uh there there was this big push for this this open world and everything reacts to it and it's such a playground and and it all feels so real and you really get to live out your story um and i don't know if games have done a great job on truly doing that i think i think that like we they've gotten closer and closer but it's still you know you're still an actor on like a set and then the more you kind of like push the set you realize everything's like cardboard and i think that this game has gotten the closest to um uh doing that hearing like a lot of the things like they're just not throwing just tons of trash mobs and and filler at you that that everything is kind of more done with a purpose it, especially in an 80-hour game is very impressive like you just think about the ways that other like shitty garbage games handle it like this there's this awful game called skyrim and i, I have you heard of it uh anyway people love it i like skyrim <laughs> people love it it's trash but it, it It does this thing where where around every mountain there's a, a cave that you wouldn't really be bothered to go in because it's just full of draugers and it's the same enemies and it's repeating and nothing's interesting. and it and another thing that 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 uh, that Bethesda, which i I especially uh, am mentioning because we're about to talk about starfield, uh seems to love to do is that they are afraid of generally making any of your decisions remotely meaningful they in in skyrim you can be the uh head of the dark brotherhood you can be the head of the warriors guild the mage's guild the thieves guild you can do anything you want and you're doing it all at the same time and And, there's the
1: crazy part is that there's still a guard who's like go fuck yourself
0: yeah like and so so like Skyrim, a, a, a garbage game. Um, it, it 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 pretends very much like it's doing these things. It pretends like the world is reacting to you in an interesting way, and it's not. It's never doing that. And and most of the game is like the 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 the, the way that they're able to create such a seemingly long game is by creating so much artificial padding everywhere throughout the game, be it you know every one of 10,000 catacombs or a billion draugers or whatever. So, and and making it so that just just like the way that a quest line goes is this very paint-by-numbers thing of like, pretty much, can you go find me something or like go kill a guy? And maybe sometimes there's like one permutation on that. Maybe you talk to the guy and the guy's like, no, actually, I'm not the bad guy. Let me go. Um, But this game, but certainly it seems like this game is doing this thing that these other worse games, this other worse game has been trying so to do.
1: I yeah. also want to say that if you do decide to play Baldur's Gate, it's not a game that like gets good after X hours. I think that the game is good right away.
0: And that's also important, right?
1: And I think that even if you don't finish the game, I feel like all of the time that you spend with the game has value. Sure. It's it's all good. You don't have to see it to the end, but You might want to like, it's it's a real, it's a good ending. I think that a lot of meat of the game is toward the end.
0: Yeah. Maybe this is another important thing. Like I, like you can't just uh, pin one, uh, the success on one thing. And I think that does seem like another really important thing. um, Just that the game is good out the, out of the, the, the gate. Right. And I, I, I'm really it, it, that is another th- really nice thing to hear about this game, because I, I think the other worse games that are thousands of hours long um, really just love to make the game just miserable for, for and th- and then there's that there's always that like I, I, I just I hate that argument from anything. The the older I you know, like I there there's there is things that maybe I want to talk about this week that are like half video game related, but the older I get, the more that I realize there is one most important thing to everything. To this this I, I, I think that this is the most important aspect to movies, games, books, anything, any media ever. Over anything. It's the one quality that you need to nail and without it everything else sucks and it's pacing. It's just pacing. Like it's it. it you can make. Oh, like I, w- I was recently watching One Piece. I finished the the. the, the
1: live action. I finished or the live started action. Started the anime. I, 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 I watched I the first the episode, and that first episode is incredible.
0: Yeah, so I watched the 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 eight episode arc uh, uh, of the live action One Piece, and I, I've generally How many
1: chapters is that of the anime. you think? It's seventy five. Seventy. Wow, that's crazy, right? Yeah,
0: yeah it, It's it's doing. Um, uh, like multiple arcs and, and uh, okay so I, I mean like i, I guess if you want to if, if i want to sidetrack to this thing that i that i because i've had so little time for for a lot of other video games that this is this thing that i that i guess i want to shout out is like the one piece anime most people seem to really like it um in, in a very very rare you you can tell if an anime li- uh, live action anime is good i mean until now you could just tell that it, it wasn't good but you can tell usually tell by like It's especially shocking to me that the One Piece fandom actually likes it. Um, And the, you know, number one, uh, one, number one piece, uh, obviously going into what I just said is that it's just paced very well. It, 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 the, the, the writers of it, the, the staff on it seem to, and they got Oda, the original writer. but. The the most important thing to, about about this eight episodes about these eight episodes to me is that they took seventy five uh, uh, like uh, chapters of a manga and condensed it down. I think it might be actually more. I forget, but I, but I believe seventy five was the number I got from like a One Piece fan who I sat next to in school. But um, they they took seventy five chapters of a ridiculously long running, running manga and they really condensed it down so many aspects of it to what is important and what are the the beats we we really can't miss and sometimes and 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 you know what's interesting is like sometimes that's small beats sometimes it's sometimes it's one page of the manga that that maybe it resonates with fans but it's a little tiny moment and sometimes it's major things sometimes the, the 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 live action i know for a fact um uh does away makes one of the characters that was supposed to play a larger part of it into a cameo because they realized in the eight episodes they had to build up this one enemy, and if they were trying to do too much, that it wouldn't come across well. So it it was really just like a massive success on that pacing end of things, and that the people really loved it. And and I I also kind of bring up one piece because when I look at Baldur's Gate and I hear a lot of things about Baldur's Gate, I, I see some some weird parallels obviously there's not a lot of parallels you think you could be drawn here but i think that the the real like apparent love behind the scenes uh uh, of it it really comes through i think it's like a huge community effort a huge like part of all the people who make something that they not only are they're not just doing it for a paycheck that like it is something that they actually you can because you can be doing something for a paycheck and still care about but it seems like with Larian, you know, they, they really did a really good job of that and that they really cared about it. But, um, yeah, if anyone wanted the, the, the live action one piece, I, I think that I, I think it gets better and better. I think by the eight, the end of the last episode, I was so frustrated for it to be over because it really just goes out on this massively high note and just makes you want like to queue up season two immediately and um uh, i i I, th- I think that why i i would recommend it would, no you know first off with the caveat that it is a little cringy but the source material yeah, is cringy it is.
1: but that's yeah it's uh, the main character is an anime main character he is For the
0: me. anime like i mean I, I like it it's there's you know one piece nardo bleach that have defined the shonen genre for the last like 10 yeah, 20 and years. And Dragon Ball. And uh, well, yeah, sure, sure. I, I I'm I'm thinking about the new shonen genre, like the like the, there's Dragon Ball of course, uh, obviously, how could I forget? But but then there's like the the big 3 that came up outside of that are like the the, the the in the wake of that are, you know, One Piece, Dragon Ball, or One Piece, Naruto and Bleach, but um that are just run forever. Uh but uh, yeah like i like this i think maybe the big difference between this and a lot of other things like this a lot of other live action anime is that it's sincere uh which which i think makes the cheesiness and makes the uh cringiness just come off a little bit but in, in a different way of like it's almost like reassuring that that luffy is such a a clown idiot that he just loves his crew and is so stupid and just eats all the time and is made of rubber and that that it's played so sincerely that that like it's not trying to just like wink and not nudge and be like be like we get it i because like i think that, that a lot of other times that studios try and do something like this they're like you know this is kind of embarrassing and like awkward and we're gonna have to keep having like a one-liner character that like makes fun of how dumb luffy is and everything you know um but they they really managed to do they really managed to like have their cake and eat it too and and man those uh those live action sets holy shit they're just amazing
1: aren't they incredible they're incredible and
0: the choreography, the the choreography is amazing <laughs> Uh, there's a ton of, like, I mean, like, I, I don't know how much I want to get into it, but there, there's, like, so many... If The more you kind of dig into this show, there's, like, really crazy stuff about it. Um, the... the I, I, I'm going to forget his name, but Taz, uh, the, the actor who plays Sanji, who you haven't met yet, um, he wanted to do every single thing, uh, every single one of his own stunts, and do everything live-action. Um, so he had to, like do all this insane training, and then if you actually look behind the scenes, it's, like, incredible the kind of shit he's doing. Like, the the, the kind of st- stuff you'll see him do in the anime, you'll think, like, there is absolutely no way he's not attached to wires on some of it, but he actually is not, and he's really doing it. It's not a stunt double. And then it even goes down to, you see him, like, cooking or making sushi, and he actually took, like, cooking classes and sushi classes, so all of it is real, and it's always him actually doing the real thing. And... It's just weird because across the board, that is kind of the That's level. That's fun trivia. Yeah. They, I mean, across the board, it's like that is the level of detail that a lot of these actors and actresses are putting into it. I know the Nami actor is like a huge weeaboo and has been forever. And um, even years before her casting on her Instagram, she was just constantly posting stuff about Nami or anime in general. So it, it's it is a cast that really knows the source material that knows how they wanted to play these characters and do everything. And it just, it's like really shockingly well handled. I, I just, it's, it's been like really stuck in my mind in a way that I didn't expect it to be, but I was like obsessed with this for a little while. Like I really loved the, the eight episodes. That's right. Yeah. The eight episodes of it. Um, and I had just, it, and, uh, before the detour back to video games, which is what this podcast is actually about. Uh, I finished uh, the two seasons of From, oh, and wow. and From, as recommended to you by by as recommended to me by you, um, it is really got the potential to be one of the, gre- the the greatest shows I've ever seen if they manage to capitalize on it. The setting, the scene, like I don't even know. I, I think the trailer does enough work for itself that that if you just see the tip trailer, I cannot imagine a human being not being interested in it after that trailer. It's a good trailer. Um, so maybe we should get to uh, starfield, which is a, which is uh, a game that that I uh, vocally dislike. Um, so y- did you play it? No, I hate Bethesda. okay they've made they've been making trash games for years and they're getting away with it. I uh, fan, fans of the show uh, Robert will know um, that I have tried to play tons of Bethesda games and have generally encountered, um like game breaking bugs in a lot of can them.
1: i uh tell you something have you ever played one on pc the answer is no right
0: no uh, i i played uh fallout new vegas on uh playstation 3 that sounds right um i played uh fallout 3 on 360 um yeah i haven't i haven't played them yeah, you any also don't
1: seem like the type of person who would mod a game except for putting, like, Tim's on a fighting game character.
0: Or, like, a giant dangly wang, yeah.
1: A dang wanger.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, well, this won't surprise you, uh, but you know exactly how you feel about Starfield.
0: Oh, yeah, I do. I do. I'm
1: not gonna... And playing Starfield... Is not going to change your opinion on Starfield. You've got it. You've got it down probably. Yeah. So I'm not going to convince you uh, that you would like Starfield because oh, you couldn't. You you won't. Yeah. Uh, I think Starfield's alright so far. Strong I think opinion. It's right.
0: Strong opinion. True. True. Which I actually think is a strong opinion, right? Uh, because really? Probably come
1: in here and expect me to say that it's a uh, dog water.
0: No, no, I don't expect that. People are allowed to like anything. I understand. So, like, I the, okay. Where and and I I can. This can lead into me asking you this question. But when I look at Bethesda, a company that I don't have very much respect for, um, I, I they make a lot of broken games that their fans have to fix over the years, or they just don't fix it. Um, but but when when I look at their past games, um, certainly games like Fallout, for sure, right, have this really incredible aesthetic and look to it and fallout is is certainly um uh well i did bethesda didn't even create fallout did they didn't they just buy fallout before the rights to fallout before fallout 3 um but anyway um with a game like with a game like fallout 3 um it it has got a very unique pronounced style um and True. True. Regardless of of the the many bugs and rad roaches that there are, um, I, I I could totally understand someone having you know like just being sucked into that world, just wanting to be there, as as gross and ho- horrible as the world is. Um, but when I look at now, when I look at Starfield, it, it, when when it, it's it's as if someone said, "Look at this picture that NASA took of Mars. Do you see that?" you see if there's nothing there what if you were there and that's that to me is starfield it's the most boring looking like it 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 couldn't look less aggressively boring if it tried it it is like it is really just like looks from all trailers and everything i've seen like space realistic space bureaucracy everything is very boring and very realistic and very nothing looking um and the and then it's got that Bethesda charm. The, the humans look like weird, creepy animatrons that are, like, sure. not able to look right at your face.
1: So you might have seen more of Starfield than I have uh, at this point. Because um, I have consumed no Starfield content. Sure. Uh, I've played the game uh, for, I would say, maybe three or four hours. Uh, which means that you might have, I, I don't know how much of it you've seen, but... They, they do start you off in, like, a mine, and the mine is, like, the lighting is pretty good, but, yeah, the actual, it's literally, like, a mine, and then you go to, like, a side quest takes you to a boring rock planet uh, where you walk around, and there are, I, I guess it's, like, procedurally generated, and then it's, like, dotted with, like, points of interest, but I feel like once you get to, like, the city, like, on New Atlantis, it's, like, the city looks pretty cool. The city looks like you know the meme, where it's like this is what yeah, society would be course. like, and so that's uh, that's the Starfield city.
0: This would be like what society would be like if if Bethesda fanboys if Bethesda just said the that the game was uh, like a, you know appropriately a seven out of ten.
1: Yeah, uh, so I, I think the thing that the, the game starts really really fucking slow. the The start of this game is so boring, and at the same time, they it feels. It feels so slow and yet so rushed where the game <laughs> wow. starts isn't that cr- I know it's fucking crazy. But the way that the game starts off, you are in this mine and you are sent to retrieve a specific object. You don't know what it is. The, the gravity liner. around the object is weird, though. And once you touch the object, um, I guess it like resonates with you and like it fills your head with like pictures. And music and and then you just like pass out Uh, your character passes out you wake up in an infirmary and they're like oh what happened to you and I'm like I "I don't know I'm like I don't know like I touched the thing and then I blacked out and then you meet a character who's like I saw the vision I know the visions and the music you saw and it's like I didn't tell anyone that so I don't know if that's like a plot inconsistency but like I did, I, you know, I think eventually. Yeah, they might have. Put, they might have touched put, the same. But the, the piecing is valley. so weird because then it, the guy, this guy who you meet, is like, "Oh well, since you've touched this, I'm gonna give you my ship and give you my robot and send you somewhere else." And it's like, why the fuck are you doing that? Why are you giving me a... And like. You can ask him. I mean, and he's like, like,
0: it's the future. Like, you know, a spaceship like, is important. probably like what is it? Like fifty bucks or something. I don't know, he's I don't like, know.
1: it's important, and it's like, it's, it, it just feels like so much. Like, we didn't, we couldn't really figure out how to pace this, and we need to get you in the air, so we're just giving you this guy. Like, One I piece, wish a show
0: for children um, has a whole thing about how they say the uh, this this per this boat owner. I'm not going to get into it. Dies and there's this whole thing about why they get the boat and even that even that comes across as like a deus ex machina of like it's just too easy but like this this sounds pretty funny that it's like a spaceship and that this person just like is like you saw that crazy shit too yeah here's my spaceship these cost like 50 bucks i'm gonna go get another one down here i'm just gonna live on this planet now
1: yeah, and then he's like, you need to go to these people who research space magic. I really fucking hope there's space Wouldn't magic. Wouldn't it be more I easy no for them to be like,
0: needs. be like, oh, you've been training in the United States Space Marines for uh, 40 years, and now they're ready to give you a ship?
1: Uh, I did not know. So I did think that it was very, very cool when you get a ship. When you actually like get to fly around and now, do, is it like, true that space
0: battles? Is it true that there's only space battles, but it doesn't work the way that like uh, No Man's Sky works, where it is seamlessly like you get in the ship, you point up, you fly, you break the atmosphere. Now you're in space. Now you're driving through space. Oh, oh no, there's a giant squid. Because um, I don't heard, know, I
1: didn't find I, a giant squid. I've,
0: I've heard about uh, about uh, Starfield. Um, that that is like nothing is seamless like that that it is very much like you're flying there's a space battle okay now you're on the 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 planet and this is removed from that like you're not you're not landing it you are not taking off you're just like that is a completely different you know thing yeah i don't think you lift off from the from the worlds yeah it's it's weird because uh, like I, it, it's it's it they're not the same game um no man's sky and starfield for by a long shot but it is really weird because There's a
1: lot of similarities it,
0: it is really weird though because when you look at what someone might be wanting to get out of starfield it, like y- discovering new planets going to new places um uh building a ship and you know making it yours kind of and like upkeep th- that kind of upkeep or or like you know, charting areas, just, I think No Man's Sky, weirdly enough, that, that, that thing that I just said might not sound important, but, but getting into a spaceship and then tilting it upwards and flying out of the atmosphere into space and having that be seamless, be without load screens kind of, and not be like two juxtaposed game modes that are like, okay, you got in the ship now teleport. Okay. Now we're in space and now battle is happening. Um, I, it's just, there's something about that to me is like really just feels like a last generation game of, of like that to me, if, if I were Bethesda and I'm working on this, one of the first things I would think that you go for is that is, is like we, you want to get space to feel real. You want to get that kind of stuff to feel impactful. You want to, for people to like get in their ship and take off and, see the sight of, like, slowly exiting the atmosphere or entering an atmosphere. Like, I, I feel like, to me, like, that is some of the most... Because space is boring, right? Like, I feel like some of the biggest... No Man's Sky, like, one of the greatest things that it does is when you enter a new planet, you're kind of flying down, and slowly the land kind of comes into view, and suddenly you're kind of seeing, like, what kind of planet is it going to be? Is there is there foliage? Are there, are there animals? Is it, like, a terribly dead planet? Like, what is going on here? And... It kinda of seems weird that like you're doing a space game that like lacks that, that you're just like everything is kinda instant. You know, what,
1: kind of yeah. you know what was crazy though? Also I feel like maybe that is like a No Man's Sky specific thing, right? Like I don't know any other game that's done that. Uh but I do agree with you. But but now that you bring up No Man's Sky, I actually think it is interesting uh how many similarities they are there are between these two games. Oh, I don't know. If No Man's Sky had shipbuilding, I knew that there were different types of ships and you could buy other ships. But I didn't know that you could like actually like craft them or put them together. That's cool. Yeah, you
0: can do that now. There's crazy shit that game. I mean, I don't need to tell you this, but that those developers like what is it? Hello Games, right? Yeah. They just someone's got to tell them to stop at some point. Like they are just gonna die doing this thing, and like there there is just like. Crazy shit! I always want to go back to that game because there, there's like weird Eldritch shit in it now. There's there's like base building and there's city and yeah. capital cities and shit and there's stories and there's like tons of voice acting dialogue apparently. So it is like doing a lot of this stuff and uh, I I just feel like it's doing it in a more it, it's, it, you it's you know catering it's interesting to...
1: yeah. Starfield does have base building and all of that too, and the ability to like. it it seems like you have the ability to like put together a crew for your ship. I haven't been, I haven't done that yet, but I do like the way that the ships work where like they have all of these different like energy systems. Like these are your ballistic system, your missile system, your like shield system. And you could move energy around where you could be like, I need to divert resources out of my shield to power up my lasers to break through this barrier. And then I'm going to move it to my ballistics, uh, once their shield is down to nail their hull, that kind of stuff is feels pretty cool. And I'm interested to see how much that changes uh, throughout the game. I also think that so far, the loot in Starfield has been kind of good. Um, and maybe there's a bias of the fact that the very first person I killed had a legendary on them. And I had to Google to see if, like, that was a thing, or if it was a predefined drop and it wasn't. So, like, immediately getting like this legendary piece of armor, and then, like, not too late after, I got like this legendary pistol that has a chance to make enemies cower if you crit them. Uh, so, that felt kind of neat. And I'm wondering if the game is going to have uh, that type of momentum with legendaries. I also wonder how it's going to work with like. You know, it reminds me of like Diablo 4 where there will be like legendary weapons and then maybe there will be like unique weapons. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm finding weapons that have like these legendary affixes on them. But I hope that doesn't mean that there aren't also weapons that are just like completely unique and do something completely and totally different. Uh, But right now I'm really early into the game. But I will say the thing that has me kind of excited is the skills the skill tree. There are some really interesting looking skills in this game. Is there a cl- uh, is there
0: a class or is it just a like, no. okay. So it's it's like a Path of Exile sphere grid or Final No, Fantasy it's like
1: it, it's just like uh, five or six different skill trees like combat, wellness, science, technology, persuasion, something like that. Uh and you are just like choosing once you have like three and uh, like three skills in a, in like a specific tree. Then you go down to the next tier of the tree. Uh, but there's a lot of different skills and some of them sound pretty interesting, kind of like a bit of like a bit of a Jedi twist to it. I would say with like being able to persuade people to do certain things, like using like Jedi mind tricks on people or like being able to like respond to Xenomorphs, I guess there, so there's going to be aliens, which I guess is cool. Uh, I'm so early in this game. I don't know if there's space magic. I hope there's space magic. I have no idea.
0: I feel like this game is so boring looking that my answer there is, is
1: like not. a there is like a use. I was going through the key bindings and there was like a use power one, use power two buttons, and I don't know what those do yet.
0: That'll be interesting to see because it does look like it's playing it so straight. So we'll. I guess you'll have to tell me. Oh man, uh, some of those starting are just so boring.
1: Some of the starting things are kind of interesting the um like once you choose a character, you choose like three aspects of their background and and some of those could be like religion based and if you pick up a religion one, you can't pick up like a second religion one, but one of them is like disciple of the great serpent I gotta know about this great serpent are
0: you are you a disciple?
1: no I'm like a um a greaser
0: a grease serpent
1: you know like a greaser like a
0: like a a tough a tough man um like uh from Greece. A, a John city Travolta. sucker. You 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 snap your fingers a lot and then walk forward with your 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 guys, the Jets.
1: Ultimately, I feel like Starfield will be a good podcast game. Uh-huh. Because that's kind of what uh Skyrim always was for me. It's just like uh I'm putting on a podcast or I'm putting on an audiobook and I'm just like zoning out and playing this game that uh doesn't have a lot of like depth to it and and I think that that's fine I um I've come to expect that and I'm also coming at this from a perspective of like this game looks extremely moddable this looks like the most moddable game that they've ever developed with the like foundation of the way that the planets are laid out the way that it's like a seemingly uh, you know it, it seems as though it could be near in like pretty much infinite air quotes infinite uh, so the idea of just like modders being able to go in there and develop and push stories through starfield uh, ultimately the this game like a lot of Bethesda games is a platform and I think that that kind of stuff is neat
0: it will be interesting i I am like as much as I have a, a great distaste for Bethesda um, and for everything I've seen about starfield, um, and I, I was quoting, a, there was like a dev quote that was like, the game doesn't begin until like 160 hours in. They were like, I it was a dev working on the game that was like, it was like, so, I really started enjoying the game at 160 hours in after I beat the story and then everything was so coming together.
1: It, it's interesting that you say that because I have, I've, one, I cannot stop my phone from delivering notifications to me that are just spoilers about anything. My phone will spoil it. That's what YouTube does for me anything. now.
0: YouTube is like so, I like I, I, I watch am watching a series and it's just like, oh I'm watching, you know, One Piece and then uh you go on YouTube and it's just like it's Luffy just like, death scene. Luffy death scene in one piece live action, it's like, what the fuck? What? Why would you Why would you do that? Luffy kills Dumbledore episode three. Yeah, like what? Why are you doing that? But the, so there, there is no I, one the, of the, the real future of the, is the keeps... internet is learning to, to figure out the spoilers, but
1: it keeps pushing Starfield videos to me. I keep telling it I'm not interested. But what has got excuse me, what has gotten through to me is that the game has a new game plus. And I'm seeing stuff delivered to me like why you should push through Starfield's main story and immediately start new game plus.
0: Yeah, that's what I, I've heard a lot. I of.
1: didn't I didn't watch the video, but I am kind of like
0: that's disgusting, huh. right? That that is like huh. that is like the next the most next level if anything, just means you're like a shit groveling Bethesda fan. It certainly is saying something like that. That that is like the
1: game gets is, really good after you finish it. Well, the,
0: <laughs> I, no, no, because I'm I am quoting a dev. I'm quoting a dev from Bethesda saying that like when they were play testing it, that they that he was like he was like the game is good, but when at one sixty hours in is when the game is like fantastic or whatever. And that I I have never heard that is outlandish to me that is disgusting i like
1: you've forgotten how good other video games are because you've just been playing you've been playing it It for 160
0: hour games it's now your job and now you finally really understand why the game is good
1: yeah that's um what do they call that when the the captor sides with the the... uh
0: stockholm syndrome it's well it's like it's either it's it's like a great mix between both stockholm syndrome and uh sunk cost fallacy of like if if you play one hundred sixty hours of Starfield and you're like yeah I just gotta I just gotta push through all this crap this whole game this uh, the, the the main story just gotta finish the main story because once I finish the main story it's gonna get good and then you finish uh, you you do your one hundred sixty hours you put it in and you look back and you're like all right now I'm now is when I should be having fun according to the Starfield devs like you really gotta find like you have a sunk cost fallacy. You 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 got to tell you got to go online and send death threats to dunky for making fun of your favorite game.
1: So, this game is on Game Pass. So, game if ass. you wanted to try the game uh without paying 60 bucks or 70 bucks, uh you can play it on Game Pass. See how you feel about it. There's more video games. There are more new video games. Did you know?
0: No. I don't believe you.
1: Then I guess you must have forgotten about Armored Core Six. Oh wow, yeah. Remember that? Remember that game? No. A, a FromSoft game. Remember FromSoft? They did the the Elden Ring.
0: Nope, don't doesn't. I don't. I don't think it.
1: You know, when I was that. a kid, I loved. I, I loved Armored Core, and I don't know when I realized that FromSoft. Was the developer of Armored Core uh,
0: well, on this podcast when we did research in the beginning of the podcast when we used to have topics from like FromSoft was in the first we had a FromSoft podcast uh, a retrospective in like the first ten episodes I think and we we talked all about how they started off with Armored Core and then made Demon Souls
1: they're back to Armored Core uh well, did you ever play any of don't get the Armored cozy. Core game
0: um, yeah, as, as a kid, I used to play Armored Core. I think that they were good games, but probably eluded to eluded me. One some of those like hard kind of games when you're just like too dumb, you're just a little kid, so you like keep getting stuck or like messing up, and then you're like, well, you know, the game is broken, or like I'm caught here or something, and you don't realize, and then you're like, I have to restart over again with the information I learned, and you just keep doing that.
1: Yeah, Armored Core Six uh, feels like a unsurprisingly. It feels like old armored core games but with an injection of the newer uh, FromSoft from sort of philosophies. Is there rolling? Rolling, yes. In a in a way. In I way. mean there's uh, there's you know, there's uh arm there are cores uh, with wheels. So they roll
0: around. Yeah, but is there iframe rolling? You know what I asking. I don't
1: know that there are iframes, but there is like um boost like pew 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 pew. pew. There's, like, the Dodges.
0: Yeah, that sound is going to play great on the podcast.
1: Does that sound good? hmm Yeah.
0: They're loving yeah, maybe, it. The fans are loving it.
1: Maybe lower that. Put some flange on it.
0: Oh, I'll, I'll uh... What's the, the, the weird thing that it's called? Um, Paul Stretch? Paul Stretch that. Paul Stretch this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Paul Stretch. Sliding Stretch. Oh, okay. Yeah, so...
1: So Armored Core 6 is a mission-based game, like the old Armored Cores, where you are taking a custom-built mech into sorties uh, and doing objectives. And throughout stealing those,
0: are ob- the, uh, the the uh, modern warfare.
1: Yeah, and throughout those, you're you're doing other things that are like, oh, hunt down this target or destroy this. Talk to this, mining this ox. Rig.
0: Talk to this ox. Don't worry, it's important.
1: There. Yeah. Oh, my God. They don't even tell you about the ox. You don't know that the the game doesn't have like a marker that says like, oh, here's a here's a point of interest. Ox farm. Yeah. You just got to happen upon it, you know, Uh, but not in this game, because in this game, you're sent out on a specific mission uh, to do a thing. And there are some really incredible set pieces in this game. I thought one of the more interesting missions was to take down uh, this mining facility. But the mining facility was this, like, massive 300-foot walker that was trailing through, like, a dune-style desert. And it's moving, and you're, like, climbing around this giant thing and, like, taking out the generators and going onto its back and destroying, like, the core of it. And then you have to do, like, this big escape, and it just, like, explodes and collapses, and it's just so incredible to watch so the production values are there but also the speed is there the game is so silky it has uh just really good pace and movement and you feel so powerful in this game until you don't until you just like get destroyed by the enemies but like the like, the weight and sound of your weapons and just, like, how incredibly fast you move. Uh, it, it really feels like a power trip until you uh, get blown up.
0: Until you get tripped.
1: So, uh, ask away. I know you, you have some burning questions I, about it. I, I mean, what,
0: what is, like, starting out? Is there is there a good customization or is that just comes later on?
1: So, the good customization. One thing that I thought was interesting about this game is that... Uh, you get the aesthetic customization free range right away. And have you seen any of the stuff that people have been doing online for this game? With I the saw a Chip's Enough.
0: I saw a uh, a Chips Enough mech.
1: Yeah, I, I have you seen like the Ryobi and John Deere and the people who are just making their mechs look like they're lawnmowers. No. Those are my favorite ones. Uh, or the McDonald's one. Uh, essentially, like, you're just given like the full gamut of customization. You could just like put JPEGs on your Mac, like you get the full color spectrum right away. And I kind of wish that they drip fed it a little bit that like you do like a side mission and it gives you like, now you have access to the pink color palettes and stuff like that because it feels overwhelming at the start. People probably hard disagree with me and just want to have all the options right away. But the, Aesthetic customization feels intense right Mm -hmm. out the gate. But then, uh, essentially, the customization is you start out with access to a few different parts. As you get through missions and do bonus objectives, uh, you get more money, and you spend that money to unlock more parts. Uh, The mechs consist of legs, core, arms, head. uh, So, you know, the body of it. Uh, The legs are a big deal because that determines, like, are you a biped? Do you have, like, reverse biped that allows you to do, like, these massive jumps backwards? Uh, You could put tank treads on it. You could put, like, um, uh, quad legs on it that have, like, different, like, hovering abilities. There's a ton of different options there. Uh, Your mech is outfitted with four different weapons, uh, one in each hand, one on each shoulder, uh, and then, like targeting systems, energy generator boosters, so there's like a lot of things to consider when it comes to the build, managing the loads, and things like that. Uh, it doesn't really feel overwhelming. I would I would say, I feel like a lot of people would just be like, yeah, I just I just pick the legs that I like, and I just pick the weapons that I like, and go. I, you know, I feel like a lot of people could get through this game and never consider changing the headpiece of their
0: mech-hmm well some people probably just aren't into it in that same way you know some people want to just want to play it some people for some people that's the whole game right
1: yeah but it feels really cool like buying up a bunch of plasma weapons and like putting it on your mech and then changing your mech to like match like the color that you would want it to be of like uh you know my plasma mech is gonna be uh like this pink and dark blue and my Ballistics mech and my missile mech is going to be like dark, like green and and Call of Duty colors and stuff like that. And my really fast mech, I'm going to put flames on it. I'm going to make it black and put flame decals on it. My All of that is, uh, is gonna and be yeah, slow. So, so the the. The mech customization is there. You get access to all sorts of different weapons. Uh, There are swords. There's regular guns. There's, like, charge cannons. And all of these are interacting uh, with the type of mech that you build where it's, like, uh, you know, you could build a bipedal mech and it's going to move really quickly. It's going to be pretty agile, but it's going to have a harder time if you equip, like, a railgun to it. Like, they're going to have to stay in place and be... Like, like stand still to, like, you know, ready that rail cannon. Whereas, if you take, like, a tank mech, uh, they're not going to have that air mobility. But you're going to be able to, like, do boosting and drifting and, like, do strafing while you're, like, charging up a railgun shot. And that stuff just feels really cool to fuck around with. Just, like, the way that the different weapons are interacting with the other parts of your mech that you've put together is just it feels really cool and just the the variety of weapons from like napalm launchers the laser blades uh stuff that just throws out like a field of mines on the ground uh shotguns where it's like up close and it's like based on staggering uh it's just a really incredible arsenal and as you do more and more missions you're unlocking more of them In addition to the missions, there's also, you might remember this from the old games, there are these, um, like, a tournament, essentially, where you do, like, these 1v1s against uh, pre-built enemy AI mechs, Uh, and when you defeat them, you get the schematic for them. So you could just be like, I want to build this mech, Uh, these are the parts I'll need, I I buy the parts, and then I could just build that mech and play around with that. Uh, predefined mech and that kind of stuff is pretty cool. And the missions have like secret objectives there are things hidden where like maybe off to the, and this is very like old school video game of like there's like the secret room where if you go to it, there'll be this really hard enemy and if you kill him, you get access to a special mech part and that kind of stuff is really fun. and it'll actually it, there is like a checkbox where it'll be like this level contains secret shit, you know? Mm-hmm. so you kind of know if uh there's something in that level that you've missed
0: like the little chest and tears of the kingdom next to the names of the shrines
1: yes exactly so there is some weird stuff about this game that makes it feel a little antiquated i would say um so i'm not gonna tell you about the difficulty like difficulty is like you know it's it's what you expect um it's challenging unlike a souls game uh in in a souls game if you get to a boss and you can't beat that boss you could just walk away you could walk away you could grind you could do something else because of the mission structure of this game if you get to a boss and you can't beat it and you feel like you don't have the tools you need to beat it you need to leave the mission and you need to do the mission over again and get to that boss again and you know, a mission could be twenty minutes, right? It could be just to just to fight that boss again. So wow. the way that it works is, you, when when you're in a mission, uh, you can rebuild your mech. You could be like, this layout isn't right. Like I need something else. Uh, I will rebuild my mech. Uh, you know, you could change it completely. What you don't do, what you can't do though, is you can't access the shop, uh, which means like. Uh, you find out that this enemy that you're really struggling with is weak to plasma, but you don't have any plasma. Yeah. Weapons. You never bought them. So you need to leave this mission, uh, grind other missions to get the money to buy the plasma weapons, and then equip them. Uh, and, you know, that's a bad feeling, but I also think that that's an early game feeling because I feel like pretty quickly in this game, like I've, I've had that happen to me once, and it's with, like, this boss called Baltius, which uh, once this game came out, everyone was just talking about Baltius. Baltius is, like, the the skill check in this game. Like, I don't know what the Souls equivalent would be of, like, the boss that is roadblocking players and making players quit the game uh, before they get to the rest of it. Uh, it really takes 160 hours of Armored Core 6. Um Yes. To really understand it. Uh, but Baltius was such an insane fucking boss until I had the right equipment for it. And you beat it. You feel really fucking badass. Um, and it, it's it's incredible. Uh, that Another thing that I've learned about this game, totally unrelated to everything else I've said, is that this game also has New Game Plus.
0: Important. In a very important mode.
1: And, and apparently in this game it is because I don't know if there's decision making in the first playthrough of this game. But apparently uh, as you new game plus this mode, there are different missions with uh, like options with like branching quests. Like the game gets like near automata style of like quest design once you beat it the first time.
0: So that, that'll that be interesting to see about to see. Um, I know you've heard about this, but you haven't seen it, so I, I, I wonder what the uh, extent yeah, with which you'd say that.
1: I feel like I'm set on video games, though, for a while, you know, with, like, Armored Core being, like, that really, like, lean forward, like, sweat a little bit, get into it game, like, super fast-paced, and, like, Starfield being that uh, lean-back style, not really having to think about it very much. I, I feel like my bases are covered. Uh, but that's not gonna stop me from getting the new Mario
0: game in
1: a couple weeks and maybe Man. Alan wake, what a crazy what a crazy uh year, right?
0: yeah well, for some people I wish I, I wish I is I, I'm the 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 other voice of reason where I'm just like you know one out of every ten video games are good and you're you're over here like no, these are all pretty good. I'm enjoying it and and I wish I wish i I wish I was more like that
1: no, you don't it's expensive to be like that. I mean, but then um, listen, again, you, you, listen. You I play. Spend, you I play have no a problem.
0: Game. I have gotcha games, so so I. I uh, the word expensive, you know.
1: Armored Core Six is really really terrific, though. Yeah. If you uh, like FromSoft games and robots, or one of the two, you might like this one.
0: Um, probably not. I I would probably. I'm I'm thinking about checking out Baldur's Gate. Um, it's of, so good. Of all the things I've seen, I, I really, I, I do want to finish uh, Tears of the Kingdom at some point because it would be a really low point to not finish a, a Zelda game for me. But um...
1: if you need a hand, uh, if you ever want to like stream Baldur's Gate, I've talked a lot of people through the start of that game, mm-hmm. like and just like getting it going. I'd love to watch you check it out. I love that game.
0: Mm-hmm. You certainly do.
1: I, I really, really do. And I've said this to you, but I didn't say this on the podcast. People are going to be talking about Baldur's Gate 3 for the next decade, and they're going to be talking about it. Like, the way that people couldn't shut up about Witcher 3, that's what we're going to get for Baldur's Gate. But the difference is that Baldur's Gate is actually a good game, and everyone was wrong about The Witcher 3. Because everyone with The Witcher 3 said, yeah, the story is great, and you have to get over the fact that the combat sucks. Like, I heard a lot of people say that they loved The Witcher 3, but didn't like the combat and it's like that's a lot of the game mm-hmm. i've also seen some insane people say man i sure wish baldur's gate 3 were uh not
0: turn-based
1: have you played not turn-based games a lot of them are bad
0: yeah hmm. um anything else
1: i've been playing some uh you know i i was in new york so i need something to play on the steam deck i haven't so played been... on the
0: steam deck in a little in a minute what, what are you playing
1: i'm playing dave the diver
0: David the Diver, you say?
1: Dave, Dave the Diver. Have you seen this game? Have you heard of this game? It's right. an indie darling. It, uh, uh, released I think you did earlier. talk about this, though. Yeah, I've been playing it more. It released earlier this year. Looks like it came out June 28th of this year. Uh, currently 98% positive on Steam with around 50,000 reviews. So pretty well beloved. But as I mentioned before... Uh, this is a roguelite game about diving into uh, a mysterious part of the ocean where every time you go into it, uh, it's different. Like the ocean it changes every day. It's a roguelite. Uh, but you go in there. Uh, you have a bunch of different equipment to capture fish. Uh, so you're going in there. You're capturing fish. You're discovering the secrets of this area, why it changes. You're going into different biomes. You're going deeper and deeper as you're upgrading your gear. But ultimately, you are fishing because the other part of this game is a restaurant managing sim where you are selling the fish that you're catching. Uh, so it's pretty neat because, like, as you catch more and more of the same fish, the chef is able to enhance the dishes. So your restaurant can kind of become specialized on the fish that you like to catch. And the fish catching is pretty cool because different fish uh, require different methods of catching them. So there's this game just like it has, you know, in Cult of the Lamb where we talked about how there were kind of two parts of it and neither part was that great. So the sum of it was also not very great. Certainly. I feel like this game is kind of the opposite where both parts of it are, are solid. And as a result, like the end product where it's like these two separate things that are working in tandem. Uh, this game has really good harmony. Like it, it really is just like you're excited to go into the ocean because the ocean part is really fun. but then you're getting all of that stuff and you're just like, man, I can't wait to re- open the restaurant tonight because I've caught such good stuff that like people are gonna love this restaurant stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna have all the fucking the, the Instagram likes because people like take photos of their food and post it on the on the gram. Mm -hmm. so you like catch a shark and you're like man i can't wait to see someone talk about this shark on the gram
0: on the gram
1: so great steam deck game dave the diver recommend it check it out
0: yeah i haven't i haven't had to uh any interest in any steam deck games recently i've been really just playing i've been playing um uh guilty gear had their season three it was the biggest patch that guilty gear has gotten and it is a big shakeup. and i don't know if i like it very much it, it's it's almost just funny that it seems very specifically targeted against me um they're out to get as, you as, with as a characters. human being it's really weird so so zato is agreed upon to be the most nerfed in the worst position and uh i've heard from uh if the the general discourse is that he is out of the game Uh, Which is really weird that they, it seems weird that Arxis seems to do this to Zato a lot, is that Zato starts out pretty good in a Guilty Gear and, you know, is pretty viable and gets some tournament wins. And then by the end of it, they're like, yeah, no, 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 no more with this character. So they just destroy him. And Zato is, just seems bad. Uh, The the big change uh, would be that uh, Zato when uh, uh, has the puppet, Eddie, and whenever Zato is hit, or Eddie is hit, or Zato gets hit with a burst, or there's a couple other reason, ways to, to to destroy it. Um, he loses Eddie, and there's a three second recharge. Um, and that's that was probably always too short because beating finding ways to beat Eddie and then take advantage of Zato in the weak state is makes a lot of sense. Like like that's that that makes a lot of sense. That's like a that's like a, a, a very healthy counterplay so so i've always thought like yeah that could go up um a second or two so they decided to make it seven seconds so or like like seven and a half or something it's like insane how much longer it is it's so much longer and especially in a game like guilty gear it is like super detrimental you can think about yeah, uh, sure. for, for, for Zato, like you're, you're, you're on your offense and someone either like jabs you or burst you and and now you're useless for seven seconds. And in a game that's like that fast an anime game that people are, can just like immediately get on top of you and then, uh, you know, attack, rush you down for like 30 seconds is like, you know, y- you probably lost the game over something that like, you also can't control, because uh, true, by the way, by the way, burst is now full screen and instant. Um, so literally, yes, it is full screen and instant. It 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 is it, it will hit Happy Chaos. It will hit Zato. So so, uh, is that
1: a good thing? Is that their way to I think um, use I think overall to nerf uh, Happy Chaos.
0: I think overall it's, a, it's a, I
1: think Happy Chaos is probably the worst thing in that game. Right? Yeah.
0: I think overall it's like it, it is a good. Well, like a couple interesting. So so. So, new mechanics. Um, uh, Burst is now a meter that you can utilize. Um, It used to just be burst as you either have burst or you don't. Now you can spend 50% of burst meter for either wild assault or, I forget, the deflect, um, like uh, drift deflect or something like that, guard deflect. And so these are two completely new mechanics, and they're pretty out there. One of them is not that wild. It's just a sort of like a push block, but like a major push block mechanic where you spend half your your meter and you get kind of like a barrier. And if the enemy hits you, they, it pushes them like pretty far back into neutral. So like a super powered um, uh, push block kind of thing. And from what I've seen and from what I've heard from people, it, it's bad. It's not very good. It, it probably needs to get uh, a little bit stronger because for right now, it just doesn't feel like there's enough of a benefit to it and that usually by the time that you're doing it like the end like most enemies are just like dashing up and attacking while you're still like coming out of this like push block animation thing so it doesn't seem that that valuable what seems really valuable is wild assault so this is kind of like
1: yeah so uh, what is this This
0: crazy weird mechanic so wild assault is kind of sort of a drive impact a little bit the main thing is that there's three types of wild assault and depending and every character got one type of wild assault and they, they the three, every
1: character has
0: that. every character has a wild assault. It uses half of your okay. burst gauge, so that's a pretty, you know, when you think about bursting in Guilty Gear, that's a pretty steep, um, ask. It's valuable. For, it's a pretty valuable thing. Yeah. But, but the thing that you get for spending that is that you can convert off of like almost anything off of this. So what wild assault does in it, in a nutshell, um, there's three different ones. The some of the bigger characters like uh Faust and Gold Lewis have one that is invincible and moves them very far forward and puts and uh uh causes a uh it, this this also this patch is like every, if you didn't love uh uh guard break kind of stuff or you didn't love i forget the, the the term for it that like uh where where the end where we like in a block you're, you're um your character gets into like a huge guard stun kind of thing like gold lewis like i forget the name of it but uh but this there's a lot of that's going on this patch so so the white one the white version of wild assault for the big characters the big boys um is invincible kind of reversal thing and moves far and it makes sense i think it's a good idea certain characters usually is it better than others like obviously gold lewis having access to a like hugely forward moving plus on block um, uh, guard crushing, uh, uh, attack that's invincible is pretty scary. Um, then there is the seemingly much less good, um, blue wild assault, which, uh, characters that are kind of like weird characters have it. So Asuka has it. Uh, Zato has it. I believe happy chaos has it. And this wild assault is chargeable and also causes a like guard stun kind of thing, but it's not invincible and it pops people up on a hit. And the main thing that seems to be kind of used for is that if you can, uh, these are the characters that got it are kind of like resource characters. So I guess the way that uh, this was kind of thought out was that you would be like, you know, you're Zato, you're, you're doing Eddie stuff, you're mixing the enemy up and then you wild assault and it causes like this guard crush thing. And then you unsummon Eddie in the during the during the time that the, the enemy is kind of like wild assaulted and then you like get a chance to like re-pull out like you know have eddie meter kind of heal up a little bit then re-pull him out um and i guess that's what they're using it for and then the best wild assault that seemingly like you know the best wild assault and and here's another problem when you have this kind of mechanic is when if if you, the second i saw this mechanic my first thought is whatever one of these is the best, all those characters is getting a huge buff, right? And most of the cast has this Wild Assault, which is like an orange Wild Assault, and that is anything that you can cancel off of, you can cancel into this Wild Assault, and it just kind of like slides you way forward with a huge attack and uh, gives you momentum so that like, you know, it, without getting too like in the weeds, like you kind of just get a big, huge combo off of it. You get a big, huge combo starter because you can do like a really low hitting cancelable long reaching move do this wild assault the orange wild assault and then just slide way forward right up into enemy's face and then just do like almost a big like big counter hit starting combo um and so uh, yeah
1: th- this sounds like a lot but i guess one question i i would have for you before you get too deep in the weeds in it is a: uh, is this a good starting point now like, is this a good time for people to, like, new players to, like, jump into uh, Guilty Gear?
0: Uh, I would say no. No? Yeah, I, I would not say yes. I think the game got a lot harder and weirder, and I don't know if it's as much for me anymore. Um, I think for new players, I, I, I never know, because, like, I, I, it's hard to know how much I should respect a new player. Like, there's such a huge gap between new players, like... It should, should someone who's been playing Street Fighter for years and wasn't playing Guilty Gear and was playing 5 and then played Street Fighter 5 and was playing 6 and now they hear this new huge patch is out and Johnny, uh, this hot shirtless man uh, with, with a katana that that is so cool, is out. Should they play? Like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe, actually. Like, if you understand... If, if you feel very comfortable with fighting games, then it's not the worst time to get in. And it certainly is like... It's a crazy change. It's a crazy change, like, to the whole cast. The, the, it, this is also going back to, like, it's probably the worst balance that it's been in a long time. There's a lot of just nonsensical shit. And, Who are the best characters? Um, it seems like... So, I would say that off the bat, maybe the best character in the game, given infinite time, is Asuka. Um, I don't know if you've... It, it's worth checking out. There was, like, a... a, a, a I can't think of his name, Jiro, not Jiro, um, Juna video about how Asuka has turned into like a boss character. And there's very few people who can unlock Asuka at that level, but the people who are doing it like Gobo make it so that it is literally a one person game. Like it, it looks unbelievable that like Gobo kind of dropped his especially right now. Cause auto is like really got hit. But, um, uh, uh, Asuka seems like he did fine with the patch and it is Asuka has been like kind of, option uh, like uh, uh, optimized to the point of it almost being a one player game once Asuka gets rolling. Like you just really don't have oh, a lot of options. Bad. It's pretty bad. It it looks fake. It like it it really looks like there's no way a human being is controlling the character because it just looks out of control. But realistically, so that that is like an unrealistic thing of like there's one person or two people who are piloting that character at that level and um. Uh I'm forgetting all these people's names. Uh the 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 Smash player Leffen uh switched to to Asuka. And that's how you usually know that like the top end of this character is like a solitaire game. Because if Leffen wants to play a character, then it's probably because he sees that like if he gets really good, the skill ceiling of it eventually leads to like him not having to basically play the other person. But um uh Asuka seems like unrealistically good, but in in very only in very tight cases, like only the best people in the world are able to utilize it. For the most part, though, the really weird thing about this patch was that the characters that were kind of the best got better. Um, so Ram is a like Ramlethal, who is always oh, been like, considered. What about Happy Chaos? Happy and Chaos that probably, probably got better. Yeah, after the yeah. patch, yeah. Happy Chaos probably got better. Ramlethal got better. Nagoriuki got way better. Uh, Nagoriuki now has like. Nagoriyuki's old game plan used to be this very, like, as as ridiculously good as he was, the old game plan was kind of, when you break it down, very uh, straightforward. Like, he's, he's trying to just, like, hit you and move around and whiff punish you, but everything he's doing is leading him further closer to, like, doing you know, filling up this gauge that's going to, like, generally almost kill him or put him at a really huge disadvantage state. And he can throw people with his command grab to lower that gauge. So the almost the entire kit was, like, it wasn't that much, like, high to low. It was more like, is he going to grab me or is he not going to grab me? It was strike throw. And, and so, so like, as frustrating and good as the character was, he was strike throw. Now he's very much, like, strike throw high-low. And he's just better. Um Ramlethal got just more options and one of the weird things is that this just seems like a weird choice is that they're giving characters new moves but they didn't give every character new moves and we're not sure how this will work out but for now like six characters got new moves and it might just be that uh you know every couple of months like another new six characters get new moves which is just a really weird way of doing things i feel like yeah um maybe it makes a little sense because like it it, the game just just feels so, so different like coming into the game right now for for you who's been gone for a couple months, I think it would be even more jarring because not only is it like six characters got completely new moves, but then now there's wild assault now there's like the parry deflect kind of thing. There's like these new mechanics you're juggling your tension gauge, your burst gauge, like, you know, you're trying to like remembering how characters work is like probably even more crazy. And, and, um, I think that the characters who got the wild the orange wild assaults, it's like it's really unhealthy it's looking really unhealthy, um, because they're able to do these like like, if you think about the old way that pressure worked in Guilty Gear, which is, like, they're attacking you and attacking you and attacking you, and then they, they do, like, an unsafe attack, finally, and then they just Roman cancel it. And now they're safe again, and they're going to attack and attack and attack you, and you're sitting through, like, a lot of basically impossible-to-block mix-ups. But now, if you think about current Guilty Gear, that's all still there, but now you can also use your burst meter, half of your burst meter, to slide forward and continue attacking so like when you think it's over like it could just not be over and now they're using their burst meter for for a wild assault so that doesn't feel good and like that kind of just like sitting in the corner blocking feels worse um sin got like insane buffs now sin is like uh just constantly attacking you for like five minutes straight on on loop so he's just like completely unfun that i think that That, uh, uh, Gecko Squirrel, who, uh, you, uh, might, might remember, uh, Gecko Squirrel, I was watching a video that they created, that they, uh, just posted yesterday, and they were saying, like, you know, Guilty Gear is a franchise famous for having characters that don't feel fun to fight against, and this patch just made it so that, like, more of the cast is like that, like, the game just feels very, um, just just like you you just see the characters you're queuing into and you're like I hate this character I don't want to deal with this character like it's I, That's
1: anime baby.
0: That's anime but it's like it's worse now. Like I think a lot of things like Ramlethal if you think about old the like think about the old way that Ramlethal was and now think about her having a uh homing thing where she stomps the ground and a rock flies up for whatever reason and if it hits you it bounces you forward and gives her a combo and if you block it it's plus frames so like ramlethal so like her old thing was like this complicated uh she can slash and heavy slash you but now she's done and you're pushed out of it and she can gamble by spending a resource and throwing one of her swords but if she does this incorrectly or does it in the wrong area you know she doesn't space it right it's it's much worse but now she just has this like yeah don't think about it just slash heavy slash you know like stomp pretty much like there's a way around it by jumping but i'm just saying like she just has like way more options is way scarier and she already was too good so like it just the balance feels all over the place they like decimated zato and then in a really funny um sad thing for me the other character that just seems like just got dumpstered is anji um because he just took a huge stray anji's old um uh, they removed, like, most big counter-hits and counter-hit combos in a, in a a bid to lower the damage. But whenever they do this, they seemingly add something that just increases damage anyway. So, like, damage is lowered, but now there's Wild Assault, so people are converting off of everything huge damage combos. So, um, there's no more real, like, big counter-hits in most cases, but Anji's whole game was that. Anji's whole game was, like, trying to get in, then Fujin, then like high or low and if you get counter hit he gets a big combo and like he doesn't get that anymore so he's just bad he's just like like fujin isn't scary it's not a real mix-up anymore it's not scary at all you don't get anything for getting hit by it you can just try and match your way out of it it doesn't really matter so just like it's a weird patch i think i don't really like it that much honestly and it and it feels kind of sad to like be playing guilty gear for three years and then just have a patch that like comes out and i feel like just kind of messes it up I, I, I understand why for 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 a lot of people, it, it feels like Guilty Gear needed something big to change it up. But for me, it's just, like, too big of a change. And it kind of is just, like, I wish... It, it, it's like I'm playing Overwatch before Overwatch 2, and I'm enjoying this six-person game, and, like, I have six friends, and I love being in this two-tank meta, and then they 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 completely remove it now there's overwatch 2 there's not a there isn't another tank anymore i can't play with my sixth friend this old thing doesn't work anymore the game has changed to where like the things that i liked are gone and it just feels kind of weird of like you nerfed zato and anji and now the game is even more like offensive because of wild assault it, like doesn't feel phenomenal but um that's guilty year. yeah that's that's, guilty a, here that's,
1: a, that's some deep stuff right there yeah you're in the weeds
0: It is, like, funny how much they nerfed about Sato. It's very sad.
1: Do you have any gacha games you want to tell us about? My gacha
0: games. Um, uh, Give me the highlights. Sran the Collector is playing Nikkei now, which I'm really enjoying having other people talk to me about a gacha game. Um, Nikkei had the uh, near Automata. Um, Every gacha game, I don't know. What
1: brought uh, Sean to play Nikkei?
0: I really don't know. But I think that there are at least two things that's wrong. you know you know what i'm talking about oh, you know wow. what i'm talking about
1: i don't get it what's what anyway, is Anyway,
0: um you you uh you know nike nike the 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 gotcha i'm uh,
1: constantly forgetting which game is which nike, how does nike the play
0: um it is a you have four characters on a team it's about jiggling um but then also the crazy thing about nike is that it's also about depression and like a cat dies and a lot of other horrible stuff happens it's really okay
1: but like gameplay wise
0: um gameplay wise it's like almost like a light gun shooter
1: light gun shooter you mean like a rail shooter
0: yeah like a rail like a like okay. on rails light gun shooter is like usually but Can but you is, ask the but game it, to play itself it's, it's more yes but it can't do it at a high level um uh it it, it uh it, it that only works up until the end game where you have to start manually everything but um it, it's more like you you're you're sitting here and enemies are popping up from sides of the screen and like you're, you know, dodging things by going into cover and out of cover. But anyway, um What's uh,
1: better, Nike or Marvel Snap? Marvel Snap. Go on.
0: So so yeah, Nike has its near it's it's a uh, sanctioned uh near Automata update because every single gacha needs to have near Automata has to have so 2B. do you need
1: to do like pulls to get the 2B?
0: Yes. Uh, you pascal i don't know if you remember this game at all because i didn't even like near automata but um pascal is free and then a2 and 2b are uh in the gotcha system and um there is a not very good story but it it's it, it, it's it's okay it's actually much better there was a a, a a chainsaw man uh story that was horrible and this one is I, actually pretty yeah. good but I feel but, uh, like
1: I would like Nier if I really gave it a shot. Like, if I tried to like Nier,
0: I would If like you like Nier. Nier Automata?
1: Yeah. I feel like I, I didn't give it a real a fair try, a fair shake.
0: I don't know. I never understood. Like, I gave it an okay shake. People wouldn't say that I gave it a fair enough shake because I didn't beat it, like, 40 times because that's how you get all the different alternative endings and the real story and everything. But, um, yeah. Uh, so, so that is out. That's a big update. And Honkai got a, a, another big update. And it's kind of more of what I was talking about last time which is still kind of sad but it still remains to be like probably the best of the game of the gotchas that i've played which is i think is saying i mean it's saying something i guess but um uh it got a good update but just like i said two months ago it it it, you it's waiting around for about two months for about two hours of story and and it's it's a very complex thing i just think it's a very complex and interesting thing to talk about from a fan perspective because what do you really want at the end of the day? Right. Like, do you, is it, do you want a, that same good story, but you want it padded out for like two weeks? Or do you want them to just be like, no, here we wrote two hours of pretty good story and cutscenes and crazy stuff. And, uh, that's, you know, all we got come back and, in um like two months or so for the next part of the story, it, it like what do you want? I mean like I guess I guess it would be appropriate to say like maybe somewhere in between that, like maybe uh, a few more hours of that, um and maybe you know more. You you're making money hand over fist. Maybe you you make a little bit more story, but um the weird thing that Honkai seems to be the 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 other part of the Honkai what is what is seemingly becoming the Honkai um pacing like the of for for uh for like how they dole out these uh, updates is that they do that. They do the story, the two hours of story. And then they add these like wild events. And sometimes the events are just insane and they just are a completely different game. And they're so weird and, and kind of so good. Like the last one that they did, I was talking about that was um, managing a, uh, they, it was about managing a museum um, and finding um, artifacts or exhibits and it was this really, not only was it really weird, because it was this whole weird, completely outside of the actual gameplay, like, almost persona, I mean, like, I struggle to say persona, or, like, uh, it almost has that, like, Stardew Valley sim kind of thing, where where you're managing the the, the, the museum, and then... Uh, running a day in the museum and getting feedback from the audience on it and then getting access to, like, another wing in the museum to put more things up and hiring people and figuring out, like, who is best at working where in the museum. And just weird managerial thing that was, like, actually really fun and well thought out. So this patch has gotten... Uh, it, but the, the, maybe the more important thing that they were doing on the sly, which I thought was like kind of brilliant was that, uh, the way Honkai works is like it's these, uh, star, or the way star rail works is that they have these arcs, these very shown any arcs on a planet where there's a problem, you solve the pl- the problem, then you leave the planet. And, um, uh, this, the, 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 museum curation thing happened at the end of the first planet. And it was this really kind of nice wrap up for, uh, seeing what all the characters are doing and seeing life return to normal. And you're managing a museum and you're kind of also getting to hear about the history of this planet that you spent some time on and kind of solved their big problem. And now they're kind of doing the same thing um, with this other thing where um, you were in space, China. Uh, there's there's like the, the law Fu is this group of like space faring uh, Chinese people who kind of live forever. Um, and they, uh, are on a giant floating ship. They're on like a, a what looks, that looks like a boat and, um, the, you, you solve their problem. And now the big event for this month is, uh, that the, this alleyway that used to have all these shops and restaurants is kind of dying. And you're basically trying to like, set it up with Amazon. Like you're trying to figure out how they can have an Uber Eats. So you're, you are um, creating pathways for these cranes to pick up food for people and resources and shipping out goods so that um, stores that have like goods can sell it on like a marketplace like Amazon basically. Um, And in the meantime, also getting people to like come back and start eating in person at these restaurants that they stopped eating because there's this giant disa- disaster it's kind of like a covid thing right you're like trying to like let's say you're trying to like build up main street of this like little town post covid you're like going to all the shops and you're like what are you guys doing we got, we're gonna try and get more people into your restaurant but in the meantime i want to like connect to you guys with uber eats and figure out a way to like make you get you like have like a, a more serious revenue stream. So bizarre, bizarre thing, but handled very well and it kinda cool to see it post story and kinda see what some of the characters are doing. But that's Honkai. Um I have been playing uh Snap as I do. I hit uh uh Infinite this season oh, nice. pretty I early. Actually...
1: That sounds, yeah, nice job. It's a weird season. I'm not having trouble. I just haven't had a lot of time. It's a fun meta. It's fun out there right now.
0: Yeah, we, I was just talking to you about this recently when you came to Long Island, but uh, I feel like... What'd you play? Oh, what, to Infinite? Um, uh, a, my take on a surfer, um, negative which i think is kind of it's kind of crazy that we're maybe it's not a good thing that we're at a meta that like negative can get you to infinite but
1: i think it's fine it's a, so right now we're in like a weird pocket meta that is only going to last for a couple more hours i feel like until things are going to get weird again yeah and then there's an OTA on thursday but there's a new season of marvel snap with the card being loki loki's ability is that he can uh, copy cards out of the opponent's deck and, and discount them, them cheaper
0: yeah which is really important so, right
1: the thing that's wild about this is if your deck carries uh, tech cards that could be used against your deck it's bad so we're in this weird meta where carrying tech cards is kind of dangerous which is interesting because that means that right now linear combo based decks are thriving and those decks are fun to play
0: yeah yeah i mean like what you're saying is like loki itself is very strong because not only because the uh value of it is a three five is pretty wild but it re but the exact way that it works is it rewrites every card in your hand to be a discounted uh version of the enemy of cards that started in the enemy's deck which is pretty wild like it's letting you really it's pop neat, off it's flavorful and it, it's it is flavorful to loki it is like kind of like he's like you know changing his face or like his what he looks like um uh but uh if you if you like combo that with something like a quinjet or something then you're getting a hand of like probably pretty powerful cards at like a really crazy discount and uh not only is that like i think that uh that style of deck has been so fun in marvel snap i don't know if you've always liked like i just i love shield 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 decks yeah um i love those kind of decks i think that they also usually require some of the most skill to play because you're kind of going into a lot of matches thinking like i don't exactly have a win condition or a plan yet i want to find it from what i get and um you know that works and doesn't work but um uh, Loki seems, like, very powerful, very consistent, especially if you can manage to, like, swap out a big hand of cards with a big discount and, like, a Quinjet, like, that could be it because you could be just playing these, like, massive cards um, and uh, that the, the, the opponent has. Um, so he, he's he's pretty wild. He's a pretty wild uh, uh, addition to the game. But like you said, um, uh, combo-y, crazy decks that require a lot of different pieces work better because... He is not going to be able to consistently draw them, um, and then and then just just re- regularly good cards are really bad um, for you. Like Shang Chi, weirdly enough, is like really dangerous in this meta because you're giving someone off the bat a three-three Shang Chi, um, which is just really scary. You know, like pretty early on, like on turn four, they could have a Shang Chi or just throw the Shang Chi out later. So so he's he's a pretty crazy card. I I think that. I don't know how the devs have done it. I I think that the Snap community is pretty whiny, but I haven't heard them be all too whiny recently. Maybe I'm not listening to, to, to the right whiny people, but um, I think the meta has been insane for the last, the last couple of months. For the most part, they've done what I think they were doing in the beginning that is like kind of near impossible, and that is like there is nothing consistent day-to-day in this game. You know, like, there are big new decks popping up left it's and right. It's so exciting.
1: It uh, feels, and it feels, like, so, like, m- multiverse, right? Yeah. Like, the Marvel, like, it's just constantly changing. It's, like, we're, that's the whole, like, premise of the game, right? Is like, oh, the multiverse, things are constantly shifting, and it feels that way with the meta.
0: Yeah, I would I would say like on my on my infinite climb, it's kind of weird to say this, but like I don't think I saw like a deck archetype like maybe Surfer, some negative, some you negative Jaden Foster. I'm what?
1: loving I'm loving this Hella Tribunal.
0: Oh yeah, some I I am seeing a little bit of Hella Tribunal. It's weird because we are in a meta where a lot of things I would have just said would weren't real decks. Like I didn't know if Tribunal could ever be a deck. It like is definitely a deck.
1: Oh um,
0: yeah. Uh, so. So it's 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 a really wild meta. I I still can't believe like I always got to give props to the devs for being for they're they're just I feel like they're the first ones to do it like they made a card game where generally there's like some pretty insane meta fluctuation from day to day and um you you as the player like you don't really once you understand the game like you don't really got a net deck anymore like I I didn't net deck my thing I just like. I thought about the concept of it and I'd heard it and I'd seen it kind of a little bit and it was just like, I could see why negative surfer is good and surfer has a lot of these good pieces and negative is strong um, and uh, magic is strong, which I think is another really big reason why like get being able to get magic out early rather than like wasting a major turn to magic um, uh, and make the game go longer. Like the, the the key to surfer being good or not always is like, How many draws do you get with that character because surfer inverts the mana and power of your deck but you have to draw the cards for that to be significant so like the dream scenarios for surfer is like you can get him out earlier and you can you have to extend the game like surfer really wants to play with magic who extends the game to seven rounds instead of six rounds um so now that magic is discounted um and is a three power card she she works with she she works with the surfer. She has the surfers three power card synergy. And she's easy to get out there. Even if you have to play um negative on curve, you can still get magic out there and prolong the game and get more draws. And uh I didn't net deck it. I just kinda figured out what would I just kind of figured out what I thought would work. And I think the game is like very good about giving you the tools to figure out what works, and that there is a lot of um diversity in decks. Even decks that I, I think that there we're we're really outside of a meta where there is a 12 card deck list that you must run if you're running an archetype. you know what I mean? Like
1: there's yeah.
0: there's pretty good arguments for subbing in and out cards generally and dealing with the the metas that are taking place. But like you said, um, I feel like this is like a really insanely stacked month. I feel like the cards that are coming out this month are like bonkers and like maybe unhealthy um
1: we'll see i hope mobius doesn't ruin the game
0: that is the card i think that is the most scary um yeah i think that that uh uh sure loki might need some minor tweaks maybe just making him a three four or three three could be good enough um uh with alioth who is coming out tonight uh i'm a little worried about seeing this old meta happen again where i uh it, it kind of reminds me of the old arrow meta so Alioth is a five power card. I think it's like a five five, but it's kind of irrelevant because it's five. but because the 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 thing that Alioth does is it kills any like it's it's very it's another very thematic card. It it, it wipes any cards the your opponent played there this turn. Um and it, it kills them even if they haven't flipped them yet. Which is a pretty crazy thing um in Marvel Snap because there's a whole like big mechanic about getting or losing uh priority and one reason why you might want to lose priority is if a character like Chang Chang chi that kills uh enemy card that destroys enemy cards that are over nine power um you probably want to go last on the last turn so that you can if you can guess where they're going to throw that power and then you can Chang chi it then you can kill it, but but if you go first, that Shang Chi is useless, right? Nothing is happening. They haven't flipped their card, so so most of the mechanics in the game that would that would uh, you know get, let you get around or destroy a card aren't effective yet. Um, other than like teenage, uh, uh, negative teenage Warhead. but um, sure. but Alioth is pretty crazy because. Uh, alioth will just destroy everything before it's revealed and that could be very detrimental that could just win you the game and where this would be a where i would imagine this would become a big problem is that there's a lot of cards that uh control cards that lock down lanes that could limit where you could even go so so are you a gene
1: gray enjoyer yes oh yeah me too i think that this is going to be a part of a gene gray deck
0: Gene Grey, Professor X, like Storm, um, uh, Jeff. Uh, b- back to that old Professor Xy lockdown meta. Uh, um, I think that I'm worried about the game, and and, and it's a, one of those things where it's also a five cost six six cost. It it's is it six cost or it's five cost? I think it's six cost six five. I thought it was five five. Well, it used to be on the data mines five 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 for sure. I don't know if they changed it, but
1: yeah, it's six five. So. Which is better. A lot yeah, better. Yeah, it's a lot better.
0: Um, It's just scary because it is... Like, with the right setup, it's it's a checkmate. And um, there's not really a lot of, like, counterplay to it. Like, especially, like, if you think that that's the direction it's going. It's almost like you... It's that unhealthy thing of, like, you have to just assume that they have it. And it's like, there's not really an answer to it. Like, if they're going to go... Especially, especially if they have priority and they're going to go first. Like, you just don't have an answer to it. They're going to kill anything. And uh you can't really deal with it i'm not sure if i like love the card but we'll have to see but i think like you mentioned mobius is the least healthy and mobius is more unhealthy because i think that he's just could be in anything a little bit like mobius is big mobius is a 2 3 right so so yeah, a well two, a well or,
1: or a 2 2
0: i don't he he was supposed to be a 2 3 he was a 2 3 in data mines i don't know if he got nerfed but but he's a well-statted card and the big thing with Mobius is that your opponent can't isn't it your opponent can't lower their mana and you your can't costs can't be, be increased lowered.
1: your opponent costs can't be reduced
0: yeah so him by by him existing like you almost need to run him as a, a counter to the enemy Mobius and i feel like anything that because the card will be so strong and so good from a from too much like it just it just seems like he could just fit into anything and just be like a really good tech card but without him it's really scary because he's just like could be too detrimental um uh uh, to to play against and then there's gonna be other things that work weirdly against him like uh with wave um i think is like kind of insane it's like one of the first cards we've seen that can like now negate wave um where where Uh, He can make it so that your wave uh, doesn't uh, increase cards. He only decreases it, and like I don't know. I'm just a little worried about him. We'll see. We'll have to see.
1: If anything's fucked up, they'll change it.
0: They've been really good about it, and I think the -the over-the-air patches have been really good. And um, they added
1: uh, they added two cards to the game this week with uh, Loki and Snowguard.
0: Yes. Snowguard getting a lot of I mean they've been doing that a lot recently right that like yeah. think about some of the cards like it, it this is kind of crazy to say but some of the cards that just like had no place anywhere are like kind of meta right now like Wolverine was just trash forever, right? But Wolverine yeah, I mean, is a card. People
1: play Crystal now. Yeah, crystal people play Crystal now. Deck. Uh, Shadow King. I get to use my uh Crystal variant. Shadow, Shadow King. Shadow King
0: is a pretty is a pretty big. Uh, Shadow King is not like broken or anything, but Shadow King is like a powerful narrow card, right? Oh yeah. So it's kind of crazy. They've they've really knocked it out of the park. I think with and then I think that they've made. Uh, I want to say that the. One of the coolest, best reworks they've ever done. First of all, Galactus, way, way better these days. Way more healthy and still good, Um, but way more healthy. I'm surprised because when I first saw that big Galactus change, I thought they dumpstered him, but uh, he's totally fine. But um, uh, maybe one of the craziest changes was Spider-Man, right? Like, Spider-Man got completely
1: reworked. Thank goodness. That card was so obnoxious.
0: Yeah, Spider-Man was very unhealthy. Spider-Man used to lock down Elaine. Spider-Ham? Yeah, Spider-Ham got changed a lot. Spider-Ham was a disaster. Good.
1: He's still a good card. Yeah. People, people, exag- what, what do they say? The um, the discussion of my death has been greatly exaggerated or whatever. Yeah. That's the case for Spider-Ham. That card is still powerful and annoying. Mm-hmm.
0: But he's not as bad. He's not as, he's not as annoying. No. Is that it? Is that games? That's a lot of games.
1: That's a lot of games. That's like two hours of games.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Good job, Ryan Galloway. Thanks for the music. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Thank you the music Ryan Allen Bumper Bumpier for the use of music we use in our show. You can get it off the new album, Pop Songs Twenty
1: Twenty. You can find them at YouTube. Podcast That's where this lives. It lives at WTDG Podcast.com. You can find us on Twitter. Twitter. At sign Twitter. Uh, where else can you find us? On iTunes, Spotify, your favorite applications where you could subscribe to the show.
0: I know someone that's uh, 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 kind of transphobic, but they go by their middle name and they're like, no, don't call me this name. Call me this other middle name. And it's like, don't you know that you're, you're, you're doing that. You're doing that now. And, and then like for Elon Musk, to dead name, his own, I, I forget, uh, son, I'm, I'm, i I think it's son, right. I'm, I'm, I'm woefully ignorant of it, but, um. Child. Tri- dead name, their own child. Uh, uh you know, like it's like you're not gonna change this. I'm not gonna do that. I, I like I I draw a line here. If you think that someone just being asked to be called a different pronoun is stupid, then you changing Twitter to X is fucking infinitely stupider.
1: No one's calling it X. Everyone calls it Twitter.
0: I don't. I just we we've talked about this before on the podcast. Just still blows my mind. Like imagining if I if I was super rich and I bought Disney and it was like, yeah, I'm gonna change Disney to like to mogarf and then suddenly like okay like are people gonna even call it that and also like why did you buy a brand and then decimate the brand recognition whatever
1: i feel like i'm gonna have one piece anime on in the background for a while
0: it's so good but it's so good try try and try and watch it with those eyes and ears open it's so good
1: the anime i
0: oh with the anime anime i actually don't know but the live live action do it right people are happy you got happy with it
1: you got it it's uh, they spent that much money on it you saw it's more expensive than game of thrones
0: really yeah okay well the set designs are insane
1: the individual episodes are more expensive than game of thrones episodes on average
0: that's video game